0: there's something about authenticity um and i I think people know and understand authenticity um even if they don't understand it cognitively they sort of you you feel you know when someone's being authentic and i think that probably comes from the purpose
1: Welcome to another episode of Communicating Purpose. I'm John Higginson, and I believe that the best way to get a message across clearly is by talking about something you honestly and passionately believe in. By doing so, you bring people with you. Your passion becomes theirs, and I call this the power of purpose. Catherine Conway is the founder and director of Zero Waste Refillable Retailer Unpackaged. Unpackaged was founded in 2006 as the world's first modern zero waste shop and has since developed into a leading consultancy with clients such as Planet Organic, Waitrose, Sainsbury's, and M&S. Unpackaged sets up refill systems for clients and provides bespoke consultancy services to a wide range of small businesses, corporate and government agencies to design and implement zero waste packaging solutions. As well as managing and growing Unpackaged, Catherine is a zero waste campaigner, pushing for creative solutions to eliminate single-use packaging and the transition to a refillable methods where possible. Catherine, welcome.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: So first, tell me about your journey to creating Unpackaged.
0: So Unpackaged came about because I, as a consumer or citizen, wanted to refill all of the products that I was buying. So I was in my twenties and I was living what I tried to think was an ethical life. And I used to go to various shops to refill Ecova cleaners and things. And i just remember very clearly thinking, why isn't there one shop where I can refill everything? And because I was young and idealistic, I decided that I would set that up myself. So we started, um, we got a small amount of funding from a social enterprise charity Uh, started a market stall, which led to a shop, which led to another shop, which has then since led to concessions in other larger retailers and what we now are, which is mainly a consultancy business.
1: Great. And what's been one of your biggest challenges at Unpackaged?
0: I think probably our biggest challenge has been staying in business. So when we started, there was... I mean, I used to collect every article I could find about single-use packaging, which shows you how few articles there were. So zero waste wasn't really a thing. The circular economy wasn't really a thing. The crisis of single-use plastics and single-use plastic packaging wasn't really that well known. So we started very early on being a retailer because that was what I saw as a solution. And then we've had to pivot quite a few times to really stay in business and actually really just try and increase our impact. I think I thought I was going to save the world with my tiny independent shop. And it became quite obvious that actually we needed to take that work and work with the biggest retailers and brands if we were going to have impact.
1: And I know myself, you know, I like to do as much as possible, but, but, but even myself, I, I find refill is one of those things that I know is absolutely the best solution out there but i find that that it's it's the connection of actually doing it and making sure that you do it and and, and sometimes i go to those local zero waste shops and i go with great intention and i get the bottle and i and, and and then when it comes to the point at which it needs to be refilled i find that i haven't got the time to go and get it and then i'll just go back to my lazy option of just buying something that actually is single use And so is that one of those kind of challenges that you find in in that it's just ease of use for consumers?
0: Yeah, I think we should... um... So, if I take a step back, and when we're talking about reusable packaging, we're talking about it in the widest sense. So, there's an organization called the Ellen MacArthur Foundation who's done a lot of work into the circular economy and creating models that businesses and governments can use to develop a circular economy for packaging. And they talk about the four models within reuse. So, you've got the two. Refill models, which is refill at home, which is buying, for example, a pouch that you then fill that into a permanent container you've got at home only really works if the pouch is actually reusable. You've got refill in store, which is a customer bringing their own container. You've then got reuse at home, which is sort of similar to the loop model, which is a pre-filled reusable container arriving at your house through, so for example, a delivery service um, where you are effectively renting or putting a deposit down on the container and then sending it back to be washed and sent back out again. And then you've got reuse on the go. So there's various kind of... um, reusable models for uh, takeaway, for coffee cups, where you're sort of borrowing a cup and giving it back. So what we need to think about is what is the best of those solutions for each product that we're looking at or each use case? And it might not be that refill in store is the best solution for you as a customer. It might be that actually getting things delivered to your house is much better for you because that's how your lifestyle works. So I think business needs to really understand what the products are and what their customers want and deliver a reuse uh, service that meets that. But then customers also have to do their part, you know, trying to be sustainable and not just throw away plastic and not even think about where it's going or not thinking about what you're consuming is sort of no longer an option. So we all need to do our bit. Um, Customers need to put a little bit more effort in, but businesses also need to create solutions that work for customers in their modern lives.
1: Great, yeah and actually I, uh, we actually now use because of because of my inability to to go to the shop at the right time we actually use small which is one of those examples of of uh, of it it comes in a pouch you've already got your your uh, different household um, uh, cleaning products and and uh, and all those things and you just fill up there which is uh, for us certainly a better model with a with a family um what There's have been so some much of-
0: innovation hmm. Hmm. Oh, Sorry, just to say that there's, there's so much innovation in this area. It's a really exciting space to be in. Having been in it for so long, you know, when we first started, we had to do a refill in store model because I had to effectively get products out of a supply chain in bulk, which often meant sort of taking sacks and boxes direct to the supplier and picking up the products. Whereas now, thanks to the advances in technology and mobile technology, and just the interest in this area, there is so many wonderful, clever companies setting up ideas that we never would have thought of. You know, whether it's concentrates or things delivered to home, um, so it's actually a really exciting space to be in now um, from an innovation perspective.
1: Yeah, what have what have been some of the communications challenges that you've faced over over the year?
0: Well, never having any money doesn't help, you know, when you're a small business, um, you obviously you have to be pretty creative about what you can invest in. Um, I think our, our biggest challenge is always going to be that behaviour change. You know, we as a society have lost the cultural memory of refills. So some older people will remember milk bottles, um, although, you know, There's various companies that are trying to reinvigorate them now. You know, some people will remember soda bottles that you could get a deposit on. Some people know it from being in Germany or or Mexico or places where you put a deposit down on a beer bottle and get it back. But there is a much wider cultural shift needed to move us away from the single use culture to reuse. And let's not pretend, you know. Everyone's made a lot of money out of single-use packaging. You know, it's allowed this huge amount of growth. It's allowed a a real optimization of the supply chain to extract profits out of it. Um, And so single-use has worked because nobody was counting the cost of it. So the negative externalities, the pollution, the human health impacts, the cost, the exporting of plastic waste has never fully been incorporated into the business model. Um, So the producers don't have to pay for it. This is starting to change with legislation changing, but we've we've all benefited from the shift towards single use. And the real comms challenge is to create a viable message for consumers as to why they should engage in reuse and refill um which is a very difficult message because it's a little bit of short-term pain for long-term gain you've got to create it's, it's, it's a whole problem of climate change communication in general is like how do you get people to care about something that may not affect them that may affect their children, their grandchildren. Um, you know, that it's a problem coming down the line and trying to get people to change behaviour now to solve a future problem is just a very, very difficult comms challenge. But if you look at how people change behaviour during the pandemic very, very quickly, when there's a personal benefit to them, they do it very, very fast. So behaviour change is possible, but it's, that is a huge comms challenge.
1: Great. Well, you mentioned there the, the uh, old-fashioned old model of the of the milkman. It does still exist. We use it. It's called Milk and More. I'm always happy to uh, plug some of those uh, solutions out there, and they also have a, a, a very good refill uh, option as well. They do shampoo and, and conditioners and various um, bathroom products there. So uh, we don't work for them, but happy to happy to plug them anyway. Um, tell us about. Um, some of the communications tools that you use, you've you, you, you talked there about having um, a very small budget, so you've got to do a lot of the the, the stuff yourself. What are, what are some of the forms of media that you've used to try and uh, get your message out?
0: So I guess we've always been, well, because the business has changed. So for the first part of our existence, we were a retailer. And so our aim was to get people across the threshold and get them to buy things. Um so when we were doing that we actually we were in a very residential area for both of our shops so we actually did a a lot of old-fashioned print. so we did leaflets um we, we tried so many different you know we tried sort of creating little newspapers uh you know all these different ways of engaging people because we were always trying to get them across the threshold to buy things but we also had to create a narrative of why they should do this and why they should care, whether it's because it was a better shopping experience than going to um, a supermarket, whether it's because the product quality was better, whether it was the cost saving element because they can buy the quantity they need when they're buying bulk, whether it was the earth saving. So it's really trying to, we have, we've always had a series of key messages and then it's trying to work out which of our target audience wants to hear which message um so we've always done that now that we're consultants we actually tend to work through other businesses so we have a different role to play in the sense that we don't do a lot of direct marketing we work with their comms teams to use their existing channels to get the right messaging about what they want their customers to do and why they should engage with it so actually it's changed quite a lot and then we do we use social media um, to promote the wider message of reuse. Um, I go on a lot of uh, TV programs and news programs and things like that. So anywhere that we are invited to spread the word about reuse, then we sort of have a wider kind of campaigning message as well as um, selling our services as a consultancy.
1: That's great. Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. And I'm always advising our clients as well to, to actually be pushing the, the change that you want, rather than pushing your own product and, and, yeah. and pushing yourself, it's much better to be that campaigner, as you say, on that on that issue, and, and to say, and we also do this. I think that's uh, uh, people prefer hearing that than being sold to. Um, yeah. Tell us about one of your hardest days at uh, Unpackaged.
0: So I think well, my hardest day was our second shop went insolvent. Um and that's possibly the most painful thing. The the day I realized that we couldn't save it was probably the hardest day because I'd fought really hard. And like every good entrepreneur, you always think it's going to be okay. And actually there comes a day where you have to realise that you can't save something and the best outcome is to end it quickly. And pick up the pieces and work out what to do so you know we had moved from our small shop in Islington to a much larger larger shop we'd added on a restaurant that was meant to be a zero waste restaurant working in tandem with the shop and we just didn't execute it as well as we could and as you know from Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares when you lose money on a restaurant you lose a lot of money and very quickly so we just ended up having to close that shop um, and then regroup and sort of start again. And in a, in a, you know, we just we just went back to basics, um, back into retail. So, so it was something that we tried, and I think everyone is very scared of failure, and I was very scared of failure. It's not as bad as it feels once you've once you've done it and once you've accepted it, but it was it was pretty painful.
1: What's what's been one of your proudest moments? Then,
0: so I think it gives me pride to have stayed in the game for so long. Um, and to have continually made impact Um, we are a very small organization we're growing now so we have um, I have two co-directors and another team so we're a team of five Um, and so I guess our my proudest moment is now the work that we're doing so we're currently running something called the Refill Coalition which is a collaboration across four major retailers and one of the world's largest logistics companies to actually redesign how refills work in store to make them uh, more cost-effective, more optimized across the supply chain, which actually is proving that it can save costs for the entire supply chain, both in comparison with the way refills are currently managed and also against single-use packaging. So this is our biggest project to date and it's actually a real world game-changing project because a we've got a load of competitors to work together um, for the good of the industry uh, which is a very interesting uh, dynamic in itself Uh, but also we can actually prove that the more sustainable option could save both brands and retailers money. And that actually changes the dynamic of the conversation. So it becomes less a conversation about sustainability and doing the right thing and actually becomes a cost-saving exercise. And those costs uh, can either be, you know, the, the savings can either be passed on to customers or they can make the businesses more profitable. And it changes the dynamic of the conversations we're having with our clients. So I guess my, I'm really happy. We've worked so hard to get here, but we're now doing some really kind of, Game-changing work that has a huge impact and huge potential, and it's just such a great space to be in.
1: Yeah, that sounds very exciting. And if I'm right, are you, are you working with Beauty Kitchen and, and the and the Chidleys on that as well, Joe 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 Chidley?
0: You know, we we so we are collaborative. Well, we're um, sister projects. I think is probably the best way to explain it. So there is something called the Smart Sustainable Plastic Packaging. Fund, which comes out of Innovate UK, which is an arm of the government that invests in solutions that help promote the UK's industrial strategy, one of which is um, solving the single-use plastic problem. And there are the two largest pots of funding were made available to what are called demonstrator projects. So these were meant to be large-scale, industry-leading collaborative projects. So we are one of them with the Refill Coalition, and uh, Joe and Stuart's uh, Beauty Kitchen project is the other one. So we we sit more on the refill in store and and pre-fill online um space and they are more with the prefill model in store so we're we're sort of sister projects so we we work a lot together and collaborate because we're all trying to push reuse as a wider solution within industry
1: great well it's, well, it's really interesting work and and, uh, and i know that that's both those projects are hugely exciting with some really interesting people and exciting brands involved in those in in, in both of them and and, and also some of the biggest brands across the world are also really engaged as well which is which is great um tell us about um what what media you use yourself what do you what do you read where do you get your news from
0: um the guardian mostly uh in okay. terms of where i get news from um I'm very I've I've worked out how to be a bit discerning about newsletters and I genuinely read your newsletter because it's very focused um, on the topics that I'm interested in. I find it really hard when newsletters are just too long, too wide ranging. They link to sort of 18 different articles that I don't have time to read. So I've really reduced down the ones that I engage with and just really engaging with ones that focus on reuse or plastics or industry. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts so I kind of like sort of longer podcasts um, and then like most people I have a pile of clever books on my shelf like the book on surveillance capitalism or stolen focus and all of those kind of books that I never seem to quite get time to read
1: oh, well do read do read uh, stolen focus which is a which is an absolutely excellent book and I just flew through that and uh, and um, yeah that's a that's a um, uh, great one by johan Hari, isn't
0: it um it's, it's such a good book my focus is probably too stolen for me to actually be able to read the book so that's well where I, I think there, right?
1: that's that's the whole point that he makes and and that everyone makes and that stolen focus comes from social media unfortunately uh and thank you also for the plug for uh, my uh newsletter which any listeners um that are into plastic i have a weekly newsletter called plastic free post you can sign up by going on the HigginsonStrategy.com website. It comes out every Friday at at 8 in the morning and it's the top five plastic stories of the week. Um, Do you think communications is easier when you have a purpose?
0: Yeah, I do. I think, well, yes, do I? Hmm. I think it is, but then my only interest in unpackaged and I guess in my professional life has been to do something useful for the world like I've never wanted to work for a company that sells widgets or just sells units of something, so I guess i'm this is the only world that I want to work in, and so everything that I do tends to focus around that um, I think though. It's interesting. I've taken all the social media off my phone, which is probably uh, a recommendation in the Stolen Focus book because it really was, it's just, it's time sapping. And so I find there's a, I have a funny relationship with using those kind of social media tools, whether it's Instagram or Facebook to communicate really important messaging versus sort of where they sit surrounded by loads of other messaging that has nothing to do with purpose and is sort of, you know, brand selling things. And so i don't I don't know. I think it's really hard to communicate really important messages within the current focus of social media because it's so quick and short form and people's attention spans are so short on things is I don't know how you really communicate things that actually need depth and thought um because also if you make it too long and too unreadable, then nobody reads it. so I think we're at a really funny place in terms of of how people understand purpose-driven messaging um I definitely haven't solved out how to do it
1: yeah well I think podcasts are one of them and that's and that's um you know this is a piece of long form if you're listening to this you know you've 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 dedicated 20 odd minutes 20 minutes to half an hour to listening in depth to to our conversation and and I think from what I've seen People are happy to go in-depth on issues. And if you look at some of the film lengths, they those have gone up in recent years uh, rather than down. And um, long-form articles, you're actually getting more more really long ones. So I think people want bite-sized bits of news. They want that to be shorter. And it's actually the middle stuff that kind of loses out. The other thing I've noticed from, from running this podcast over about 20-odd episodes is... I'm always trying to get on people that have a purpose and have a communications purpose. The one one thing that I noticed is very different is almost no one that I have on this podcast comes to me saying, can you tell me what all the questions are gonna be? Um, so there's an honesty that, that, that comes with people that already have a purpose. They don't need to see the questions. Whereas if someone doesn't have a purpose, they want to know what the questions are from the journalist and all those things. And it's because they're not necessarily going to be honest they they want to rehearse those answers and stuff, and if you've got a purpose, you tend to just listen to every every, every question and answer it from a place of honesty and I think um, that's one thing that you might not notice because you probably haven't ever not had a purpose for the last uh yeah. almost two almost two there's decades so, that you're doing this
0: yeah there's something about authenticity um and I, I think people know and understand authenticity um even if they don't understand it cognitively they sort of you, you feel you know when someone's being authentic and i think that probably comes from the purpose um bit mm-hmm. i should have also said um with the media as i listen to endless radio 4 and the thing i love about that is i mean a the programs are just such high quality but also you don't so with a podcast you choose what you want to listen to you know maybe maybe there's someone that you love like Adam Buxton and you'll listen to every single podcast because you know you trust that he'll choose interesting people to be on it um but i what i love about radio 4 is you suddenly find yourself you know, listening to a documentary about a dominoes club in Coventry and the relationships that all exist through it. And you're like, wow, I never knew this stuff existed. So I I love the the randomness of it and the things that I might learn that I didn't think. I think now, because we all have so much choice over the media that we consume, you can end up just choosing the things that you think interest you. And I quite like to be challenged um, with different topics and different points of view.
1: Very good. Finally, if you could share one message with our audience, what would it be?
0: oh choose reuse I mean this is the thing I think we've we've ended up in a paradigm of anti-plastic and I think that it's been very important and very useful because it we needed a very clear message and blue planet and you know there's lots of big campaigners that have helped with that message but I talk a lot to NGOs and things now and I'm I'm trying my wish is is that we move people away from an anti-plastic debate to a pro reuse debate because if if consumers were going into all of these brands and retailers saying please can I buy products without packaging or in refillable packaging or in reusable packaging it would make my job so much easier because when we go in and try and sell reusable solutions the first thing they say is where's the customer demand for it and then I say well there is no customer demand because they don't know it exists and we end up in this sort of negative feedback loop where we can't prove it so I think anything that we can do to signal to the market that we want reusable solutions um, would be really helpful for the market responding
1: great so go into your local Tesco's Sainsbury's or wherever you shop and ask for that Um, ask for that reuse great Catherine Conway founder of Unpackage thank you for joining me John Higginson on communicating purpose
0: thank you for having me There's something about authenticity, um, and I, I think people know and understand authenticity, um, even if they don't understand it cognitively. They sort of you, you feel you know when someone's being authentic, and I think that probably comes from the purpose um, bit.